Please stand clear of the doors. Por favor, manténganse alejado de las puertas. Welcome to the Rabbit Hole Recordings, stories of faith, hope, and love found in unexpected places. This is a show that explores the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God and the unexpected places and pathways where we meet Jesus and experience His grace. I'm your host, Kurt Moore. This episode is a continuation of my conversation with Chris Pfeiffer, Director of Student Ministries at Covenant Presbyterian Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. It was recorded on-site in Fairmont, West Virginia, where Chris and I were able to pull away from his group, sit under a tree, and record this conversation. The problem with recording in outdoor settings is you can't always control the quality of the recording. Toward the end of our conversation, Larry Mock, associate staff with Impact West Virginia, walked over and jumped in on the conversation. And while his contribution is excellent, without a mic, his vocals are not as clear. Therefore, there's a slight inconsistency of volume and clarity toward the end. Welcome to life in the rabbit hole. Sometimes people jump in, sometimes they jump out. Thank you for your grace and understanding. So there's a Jimmy Buffett song, a big yeah. Buffett fan. Changes in latitudes, changes in attitudes. All right. So how, do, how does it work in the life of a student when they're moving from you know, a very comfortable way of living into an environment where they're really not in control, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that look like? And how does God work in that context? I mean, really, I'm going to quote one of my students. This is his favorite quote. A missionary shared this to us while we were in Haiti, and it's, you're either in a growth zone or you're in a comfort zone. You're not in both. And, and really, it, it's true um, because mission trips take you out of what's comfortable and what's familiar and, and really just shakes you and stirs things up and says, guess what? You have no control. Um, I mean, everything obviously is a well-orchestrated machine, but, but in reality, they, they have to be willing to do whatever. They have to be flexible to do what's asked of them. Um, and so it really pushes them. And if you, if you can give them that sense of responsibility and say, hey, guess what? We know this is uncomfortable. We know this isn't familiar, but we're gonna equip you to go and do and equip you so you can succeed in this, they really come to light because really at the core of it, they all want that sense of responsibility. They all want that sense of authority. Um, but there's fear and there's yeah. a fear of rejection. I mean, adults feel that way, but especially teenagers, right? Mm -hmm. And so they don't want to fail, but, but God does kind of turn things upside down, right? In order mm -hmm. to yeah, perhaps reveal himself. Perhaps the most specific example I could think of this is just in evangelism in general so some summers about every other summer we'll go to utah and we'll work with local ministries in um, ephraim which is a city like right in the middle of utah and the whole trip is structured structured around a ministry called tri grace ministries and and they were the first missionaries that come to that valley in the middle of utah and it's mormon country completely lds controlled um, and so for a few years our church has been going out there and in equipping and preparing kids to go and evangelize. Um, this past summer we went and we knocked on doors um, and shared the gospel with people. And perhaps the most prevalent example of, of us not being in control is, is sharing the gospel because who has to change 
the, their hearts, it has to be the Lord. Right. And so you'll have people shut the door in your face. You'll have people say, uh, no, thank you. You'll have people engage in a conversation for upwards of four hours sometimes and then walk away saying, oh, we just don't agree. And so these students are having to learn how to process and how to to trust God to provide the growth, to trust God to um, change hearts. Um, and it's a beautiful thing because often we have to remind them you're just planting seeds. Um, you can't convince them. The Lord has to change their hearts. He has to open their eyes. He has to open their ears um, in order for them to become saved, really. There's a great book by Jerem Bars, The Heart of Evangelism, and one of the most profound things in there, he talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, he talked about the rich young ruler. The Ethiopian eunuch is, of course, reading scripture and saying, tell me who, what this is about. Mm. And then uh, he, he, this, he gets saved, and it's miraculous. And, you know, God shows up in a powerful way. Um, you've got the rich young ruler who you know, turns away because he doesn't, you know, doesn't want to give up um, his trust. And I've, I've said before when I've shared the gospel with folks, I've run into more rich young rulers than I have Ethiopian eunuchs. Um, but what Barr says in there is that, like you just said, is planting the seeds, they're sowing, but so often we think we have to harvest all the time. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we will, but most of it's sowing, right? Yeah. I mean, I think of my own conversion and what Francis Schaeffer called pre-evangelism. There were many people and many events along the way, now that I can look back and see, that were sowing. There was one, one guy, a friend in uh, college, fraternity house, who shared the gospel. That was harvesting. But yeah, that's great to teach the students because adults, we don't even get that. Mm -mm. And, and it's such a, it's a hard time, but it's such an encouraging time because this past time we walked through the first half of the book of Acts and watched how the gospel moved and where Jesus said, you'll take this to Jerusalem, to Jogeda, to Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And I got to say, you're part of this. You're taking it to the ends of the earth. And so it gives them that sense of purpose and reminds them of what they're called to do. They're called to share the gospel. They're called to share the love of Christ with others at, at all costs, really. And so it's a hard trip because there's so much rejection, but it's such a fruitful time because it's pushing them out of their comfort zone and saying, trust God, trust the Lord. I was really impressed with um, your student who was telling me about being in Utah, the kind of tall, oh, blonde-headed guy. Mm -hmm. I was Carter. blown away. because What's his name? Carter. Carter. Because he's telling me, he's so excited, telling mm -hmm. me about talking with folks in Utah. And he didn't seem to have any uh, apprehension about you know, or sadness about being rejected. It sounds like he was empowered by God and mm -hmm. he wants to do it again. Yeah, it's, it's, amazing, it's amazing how you, you prepare him. You're like, the conversation might just end, but, but man, any conversation there, he, they have. He probably planted a seed. One of the things God used in my life was I lifeguarded at a water park in Orlando and um, there was an older guy. He was a surfer. I was a surfer, but he was like a really good surfer. And he made a comment to me one time, just in passing, he said, you know, I, I know God has a plan for my life. And I'm a guy who, that just blew up in my mind, like that God's active in the hmm. lives of people. But for a guy like that, that I really respected. For me, it was um, my dad's soccer coach. And we had a, he had one player who we still keep in touch with today. But, but you know, as a kid, you look up to like all, all those college guys, D1 athletes, just, just playing. Um, and they're studs. But this, this one guy in particular was just so 
humble and he loved the Lord so much and they would all come over to the house and, and sometimes he would babysit sit with us and but he would always make an attention and be like, what's the Lord teaching you? What has he shown you? How is he working in your life? How is he changing you? And we're, I mean, we're young. We're eight. My brother might have maybe it. 10, but I remember it because it was so intentional and he was so, it was such a priority. It was so important to him that he was like, this is my chance. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask, what's he doing? How's he working in your life? What's he showing you? Every time. So in your debriefing at the end of the end of the day, do you ask the students questions? Do they talk about those things? you do that when you get back? So on a big mission trip like this, it's a little harder just because of the mass students that we have. Oh, right, right. Um, so a lot of that comes with just um, my staff and I touching base with different groups of students throughout the time and just saying, hey, something as simple as like, what's your rose, what's your thorn, what have you seen? what has God revealed about either himself or yourself. Um, and so that kind of happens because the trip is really what teaches the students, right. um, the experiences right. they have with the homeowners, the time they have on the work site. And that is the best teacher. And, and, and yeah, team. Mm -hmm. and you want to give freedom of the spirit instead of you hounding them. Yeah, they hear me teach enough. Like um, right. they hear me lecture them all the time. So we'll, we usually keep it simple. What is your female assistant's name? Ginger. So I, I observed her a couple times mm -hmm. under the tent, just grabbing a student and mm -hmm. asking those questions. And yeah. it was a really neat, it was really neat to watch. So we learned a lot and focus on the relational aspect yeah. is the most important. I've used surfing because, yeah, I mean, I don't surf anymore, but thing, right. surfing, I took kids surfing. We went to the beach, I was able to connect and uh, yeah. I love the outdoors, so I take yeah. them backpacking, I'll take them fishing, I'll teach them the fish, I'll, I'll teach them all that stuff. And that's how I can speak in their life. But I tell parents all the time, because you said, I might not have done all this stuff. You might have still, though. My job's right. not to, to make people into a certain mold. Right. My job's to Everybody's say, hey, different. you're going to sin. You, you are going to sin. You might even walk away at a time, but, but I'm going to instill these truths in you, so hopefully... You, you never forget. <laughs> and if they do sin, uh, they know who, Lord, forgive me. They, they know where to turn. I was talking to Sarah Butler this morning, just talking about the line of Jacob and the narrative from Genesis. What a screwed up family that was that God chose to work through and how the horrible things that happened in each one of yeah. their situations oh, was. was for the purpose of redemption. And even Joseph could say at the end, uh, you know, you intended for evil, God intended for good, but... All of them um, were impacted. What well, is, um, that's even as, as what Rich was talking about last night. Your sin's not good, but God can use right. it. Um, he will use it for really His good, ultimately. Um, and that's what I have to remind myself, because yeah. youth ministry, they're like, produce this model kid who gets good grades and does this and does that and works hard, and you're like, I write a book and I'll make millions. How about that? Want to produce kids that are the chief repenters? That's exactly. Who understand their need for Christ? That's the goal, not the perfect model, American. No. When I first started, uh, my first position out of seminary was at First Press Biloxi. I was working with students, and you know, you go through the CBD catalog for Christian mm -hmm. books and whatever. And I was such an idiot and a moralist. I ordered the um, Andy Griffith, like they had some Bible study based oh, upon Andy, Andy Griffith. Griffith. So that's just moralism. Yeah. You know, be good. It was just like, be good, do good. Yeah. Um, but it's all you. There's no pointing to Jesus. That's the thing. I mean, that stuff, 
is everywhere. All he can do is point him to what the means of grace where God promises that he will be he will be revealed, he will show himself, he will meet him. So that's all we try and do is point him to prayer and the word and the sacraments and the Lord that's will awesome. promise to meet him there. That's golden and that's I'm going to end it with that. Thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thank you. You've been listening to the Rabbit Hole Recordings. Stories of faith, hope, and love found in unexpected places. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please don't forget to subscribe to our show. And if you wouldn't mind, please spread the word. Tell your friends about us. And if you'd like to learn more about Mission to North America short-term missions, go to mnashortterm.org.